location at Jacobs Boulevard, this is Craft. I'm Adam Rebar, and I'll be filling in for Doug today. Dustin Meadows is here to talk about his newest stand-up album, No, The World Needs More Laughter. He is the founder of Whiskey Bear Comedy and was featured on Columbus Alive's People to Watch. You can find Dustin performing with Whiskey Bear Comedy, and he frequently hosts a pop culture mixtape at the Backstage Bistro. Welcome to Craft, Dustin. Hey, thanks for having me, Adam. So how'd you get into stand-up comedy? Stand-up was the last art form I really got into before I ever did stand-up in high school. I did improv. I played in bands. I still do a little bit of that here and there. I did improv through college, and my last two years, they held a last comic standing contest. I figured, yeah, sure, I'll give this a shot. Did it a few times, and then after I graduated, decided that I wanted to do that instead of improv, and seven, eight years later, here I am. (laughs) What's the comedy Columbus scene look like now? It's good. There's a lot of really awesome things going on. There have been a lot of people, especially younger comics, who've kind of taken up the mantle of starting new shows, getting additional venues on board with comedy that are really putting in work and running things, which is nice because when I moved here in the summer of 2011, there were maybe two, three open mics a week, if that, and there was maybe a couple of shows outside of the comedy club here. And now, almost every night of the week, there's comedy somewhere, which is awesome. Okay, that's really so it's really blossomed in the last few years. Mm-hmm. Okay. Absolutely. Tell us about how you started to record your album. So this is my second album, and it largely came from a place of, I'd been doing this material for three or four years, most of it, and I was just getting tired of doing it. And it seemed like a good time to kind of burn it all and start writing new stuff. I also had just recently started a new relationship, which I was very excited about. I'd spent a good chunk of my comedy career kind of being single and dealing with a lot of the the negative sides of that. And that was very evident, especially in my first album. That's kind of apparent, that self-loathing, that that anger, that sadness. And I, I wasn't really on that wavelength mentally anymore so I kind of wanted to just do all that material because it was still material that I was happy with and I was proud of but it didn't really apply anymore so I said well this seems like as good a time as any to do this shove it off and then move forward and try and see what it's like writing material when I'm happy oh that's really awesome so what sort of influenced the album uh, like a favorite comic um, your relationship had influenced at least the need to change the album it's all over the place a lot of it is just personal experiences that I've had that I've tried to put a funny spin on a lot of it is my my pop culture obsession there's jokes on there specifically about Weezer new metal just the kind of things that I was really into um, and that's where a lot of my comedy comes from is pretty much the things I love and just life as I experience it. Are you still into Weezer and New Metal? I'm into the first two Weezer albums still. I still go back to some New Metal here and there, but definitely not as much as I used to in high school. Uh, which is the better album, Blue Album or Pinkerton? I think Blue Album is a better album, but Pinkerton is my favorite album. Okay, I'll take that. I am personally a fan of the Blue Album. Yeah, yeah. that's fair. What's the hardest joke you had to tell on this album? Or, like, even emotionally was the hardest for you? Oh, uh, those would be the jokes that didn't make the album. Those would be the (laughs) hardest ones, uh, because there's a reason they didn't make the album. For years, I've been trying to make a joke work about my father passing away my last year at college. It is is not at a point where I'm happy uh, recording it and putting it on anything yet. So I, I did a tour leading up to the album recording. I ran my set multiple times in the the weeks and the months leading up to the recording 
and it went well a few times and then at the recording it just didn't work so I kind of axed that and there was like one or two other ones but the the dead dad stuff definitely is still because <laughs> I've been trying to do that joke since about 2012 and I'm still trying to find the way to write it and and make it hit do you think that's something you'll ever abandon or do you think maybe it'll just take more than seven eight years it'll take some time and I, and I think too it's definitely I haven't been as aggressive in pursuing that as I should like it definitely it's maybe once or twice a year I was, I was like oh I'll try this again and I don't really do anything with it so I, I need to actually sit down and try to work on it has there been a shift from the second album to the first album? I've listened to both of them. It seems like the second one is much more heavily pop culture influenced and much more heavily sure. like, reference based. Yeah, there's definitely there's a lot of more there's a lot more pop culture stuff on the second album because I was trying to shift my material away because I I go back and I'll listen to my first album every now and then. It's just like, ah, oh, God, what a sad sack I was. <laughs> I like that material. It, it absolutely, re- but it reflects the time that it was written and the time that uh, that it came to me. And uh, I've always been of the mindset that if you don't believe in the things you're saying, you should stop saying them. So that's why I don't really do much of the material off that first album. I'll still do stuff off the second album here and there, but like I, I can't go up on a stage during a show because like, oh boy, I'm so lonely. Girls don't like me. It's like that's not true. Like I'm, I'm very happy. I'm in a very fulfilling, successful relationship right now, and it's, it's absolutely helped kind of shift my perspective on things. So you mentioned earlier that there were some jokes that didn't make it. Mm-hmm. Is it just that they didn't do well with the audience they were in, or that like you didn't like the message they had to send? Oh, it was entirely audience response. Oh, okay. Like, uh, I, I didn't try anything at that album recording that I that I didn't believe in that I wasn't happy with it's just uh, the the few things that got cut with the exception of my uh, the material about my father they were jokes that I'd literally written like in the two or three months one of them was even something that I wrote while I was on the road like testing that album set and it just it wasn't polished and I I threw it in there just to see if it would work and it didn't so it, it's on the chopping room floor for another album for another time how do you go about editing jokes before you go to record the album? I, I listen to myself a lot. I try to record all my sets when I can, especially on that tour. I recorded all of my sets at every stop. I went back, I listened to them, found out like if there was a way I said something one night that hit better than the way I did it another night. And, and a lot of comedy is just obsessively going back and trying to mine everything for like the best word economy the best tone the best audience reaction you got and that's pretty much my process i was wondering is it more of like you base it on the reaction or is there a lot of downtime by yourself before that even gets to the stage uh it's entirely a go off reaction you you can sit there and think you've got the funniest thing in the world but you're never gonna know how it actually works until you say it in front of somebody and and comedy is one of those few art forms where even when recording an album like when i recorded the album like obviously there was a there's a possibility this might not work this could be very bad whereas typically you know somebody goes to see a band play it's like these are songs we've heard like these are songs that we enjoy that's why we spent a hundred dollars on a ticket to go see joe walsh or the chain smokers or whoever else and comedy is very much it's unpredictable like i've had material that's killed multiple times fall on its face in front of an audience before and vice versa i've had some of the dumbest things i've ever said kill in a room where i 
don't know why they killed. Huh. That's uh, that uh, variation to me feels like it would make it very hard to pick what goes on an actual album. There's definitely there's stuff that hits consistently. Like there's always going to be outliers. Like there's I don't really do much political material at all, but I have a joke about a pro-choice fundraiser that I performed at in Cleveland a few years ago for a narrow pro-choice Ohio. And I did that joke in Alabama and they did not like that joke. Uh, Whereas most of the other times I'm in crowds or towns that are at least, you know, on board. And typically that's one of my most consistent jokes. But were you the class clown in high school? Not really. I, I I wasn't like a social outcast, but I wasn't like the popular kids either. I was on this weird kind of middle ground where the popular kids talked to me in the hallway and they acknowledged me, but like I wasn't going to parties or anything with them. I was spending my weekends with my friends playing D&D and whatever else or at band practice. I, I was nominated most likely to be successful, which is probably like 20% true <laughs> right now, I guess. But yeah, no, I, I never really went out of my way to be well at least not for my peers like I did improv and I did theater and all that stuff in high school and I, I thought I was a funny person so why I pursued those things that I did but I but it was never out of like this compulsion to to be the funny person or anything like that who are three comedians you would pay to see well uh three three comedians that I have paid to see Ryan Singer who is actually a Dayton Ohio native He's, I think he's got three albums out now. He's gone on the tour with Marin a number of times, and uh, he typically comes back through here. The first year we did the Whiskey Bear Comedy Festival, he was our headliner. He's he's a real funny dude, real nice. He's kind of weird. Like he's definitely got some esoteric stuff about him. Like he runs a podcast called Me and Paranormal You. He believes in like crystals and like spiritual encounters and third eyes and all that stuff. And that's very much evident in his stand-up is like those things that he loves. Another one is Pat Oswalt, who I actually just got to see almost a year ago when he came through and did the Palace Theater here in Columbus. And it was right after his wife had passed away. So he was basically running what would become the newest special that he's got up, the Annihilation special. I've seen him twice now. And then the other one uh, is Kyle Kinane, who I've seen four times out of five times and I've actually got to open for him twice when when I was in college right after I graduated I went to see Patton Oswalt in Cleveland Kyle Kinane was his opener and after seeing Kinane for the first time this guy I'd never heard of like he hung out in in the lobby he passed out like he sold copies of his album out of his like handbag and it was real punk rock and like just kind of getting to meet someone like that and that was pretty much the point where I was like yeah okay I think I'm gonna like seriously pursue stand-up has the invention of things like Bandcamp uh, made it much easier for you to like sell your album versus like just passing out hard copies? It, it has and it hasn't. Definitely digital distribution is nice. I think like I've made a couple hundred bucks on digital sales and like revenue from like Spotify, streaming, things like that. But also with it being more accessible to everyone, it means that the market is also incredibly saturated. Like I think in the last year, no less than 20 of my friends have recorded an album. We're definitely at a critical mass with it. It, It's cool that that it is accessible and there's definitely kind of a DIY punk rock nature to a lot of it, which is is part of what I love. That's how I approach it. But it, it also, it is not without its drawbacks. What advice would you give to a young comic trying to break through all of the noise and trying to 
pretty much the the two biggest things that I always tell any comedian, it's been pretty consistent for the last couple of years, uh, is always never be afraid to fail because you're going to. And no matter what, even even the seasoned vets, they're going to have off nights. Like unless you are handpicking venues and charging 50 bucks in a theater for people to come see you, you're going to have a night where maybe a crowd isn't into whatever you're putting down. And a lot of people take that personally, and they shouldn't. They should just look at it say, what did I do wrong? What can I do better? And just apply that moving forward. The other thing uh, that I always tell people to do is just find your voice. I don't know how many times I've gone to open mics or even shows where I see comics doing the same material or in the last year, I don't know how many comics at open mics I've seen with Trump jokes. Are you a politically minded person? Do you really care? Are you just making like this low hanging fruit? Because if that's not important to you, then why are you joking about? Like if, if you are, like if you are socially minded and everything and you have a perspective, then by all means do that kind of stuff. But it, it just gets exhausting. There's also this permeating mindset that comedians have to be unhappy. Especially lately, I, I don't hold to that. I, I think... That is a dangerous idea. So I think a lot of people use comedy as therapy instead of, you know, going to an actual therapist, and that's reckless. I am more interested, if I watch a comedian and they come off stage, I would rather see a comedian bomb for five minutes and have an idea of what that person is like and what they are trying to say than see somebody go up and kill for five minutes doing, like, all these obvious hacky jokes about being single or whatever else. Now that you've completed this album, you've been in... Uh, doing stand-up for many years what's next for you the the next thing i'm always experimenting with uh kind of alternative forms of comedy not necessarily like alt comedy as far as stand-up but i do like character roast i do my pop culture mixtape show in april i'm actually going to take a run at doing a a talk show format for one of my whiskey bear shows just to see how that goes i'm in the process of setting up a tour for either late summer early fall just to kind of get back out on the road again and then i'm visiting la for the first time this summer with the idea of looking at neighborhoods and in the next few years making the move to there to a major market city so i can be in a place a little more conducive to it all right well uh, thank you so much for being on the show dustin i'm looking forward to see you live for more information we can check out whiskey bear on facebook and thedustinmeadows.com thank you so much thank you for more information on our guest, visit www.crafttheshow.com. And until next time, be creative.